Are you paving the way for the life you want? Facing decisions that may affect you personally and financially? The Decision Dialogues podcast, brought to you by Modera Wealth Management, presents personal stories about navigating through life's pivotal moments. Narratives that we hope will inspire you as you create your own story. You'll learn what influenced their next steps and gain insights that could help you with your own critical choices. Welcome to Decision Dialogues. Thanks for joining us on Decision Dialogues. We're thrilled to have you along. My name is Mark Willoughby. I'm a Principal and Wealth Manager at Modera Wealth Management, LLC. Today, my colleague, Carl Graff, who's also a Principal and Wealth Manager at Modera, will be chatting with Eric Melser. Eric is the co-founder and owner of Grit Ninja. Co-founders Allison and Eric Melser opened their Ninja Warrior fitness business with the simple mission to positively impact the lives of the children and adults that walk through their doors by building a supportive community that encourages personal growth and individual accomplishment. We're delighted to have Eric along, and I'll hand it over to Carl. Thank you, Mark. Hello, Eric. Hi, Carl. Pleasure to speak with you. First question out of the gate is, how did you come up with the name Grit Ninja? I love it. Oh, cool. You know, I when my, when my wife and I were, you know, kind of laying the plans to start the Grit Ninja, I had happened to be reading the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. And when I kind of reflected and took a step back and it's like, what are we trying to accomplish here? You know, at the top of the list was, you know, helping to either change people's lives, mainly kids, or help improve them. And, you know, something that we hoped kids would you know, kind of get out of the experience at our, you know, in our programs was just grit, right? Like we wanted to be a place where we could celebrate grit. I'm not sure if like teaching is the, is the right way to think about grit, but at least a place where like grit could be celebrated, where like that's kind of the number one quality that we wanted kids to kind of get out of our program is like learning how to fail, pushing themselves, stepping out of their comfort zone, every time they come in kind of reaching for new obstacles. So grit was the word that like we kind of came to and that's how we sort of got, got the name. Well, I think it's great. You know, and persistence pays as they yeah. say, it's something that's not taught. So I think that's, that's really good. So this was not your first career. How did you arrive at this decision point and what kind of thought process did you go through financially and otherwise when you, decided to make a career change and, and step out this way. So my wife and I had, you know, wanted to start our own business and we wanted something, as I said, that could really either change people's lives or positively impact people's lives. And we wanted something that was kind of like a combination of, of fun and fitness. And what we liked about Ninja Warrior is that anyone can come into our facility and accomplish something, whether you're three or whether you're 60, whether you're someone who's, good athlete or someone that sort of struggled in team sports for a variety of reasons. And we like the idea that it's like you versus the obstacles or you versus yesterday's version of yourself. It's not you versus, you know, everybody else in the room. And we kind of like came up with the concept, you know, spent a lot of time sort of researching it and figuring out if it was going to work. And then it was just this desire, um, I, I think it was a desire to really have more of an impact on people's lives than I was having in my prior career that kind of led to us saying, okay, we're willing to take the risk. And then, you know, it was a big risk. We funded it with our own capital. 
we funded it with an amount of money that was while huge if i lost it it wouldn't you know wasn't going to bankrupt us but then kind of felt like i didn't want to go the rest of my life without having you know taken a risk i always felt like if i tried this and it failed i'd be much happier for having tried and failed versus never trying at all which fits in with the whole philosophy of the business too it's really yeah. it's really a nice kind of uh, synergy there yeah so do you have a history in your family of entrepreneurship or, I mean, what, what motivated you to say, hey, we want to start a business? Yeah, it kind of, so I do a little bit. My brother in particular, like was, you know, a successful lawyer, made partner at a blue chip law firm, Kirkland and Ellis. And then I think the day after he made partner, he quit more or less to start his own, you know, entrepreneurial business. And I always admired that. I looked up to that and I saw the impact that he was having on people's lives and I thought that like, okay, you know, I want to have that type of impact. And this might be a little bit too personal, but, you know, I used to ask my son, who was probably five at the time, you know, like, what'd you do today, right? And he would tell me what he did at school and he would say, daddy, what'd you do today? And I would feel myself like, just to be totally honest, like internally cringe a little bit when I described my day. And this conversation happened for like 30 days in a row and I was just kind of like cringing after a while, explaining like what I did that day. That's not to say I hated my job. It's just to say I got this feeling of like, I don't want this to be what I do the rest of my life. And like, I'm just not having the impact that I want to have. So, Eric, can, can we talk a little bit, flesh out a little bit what you were doing before you founded Great Ninja? Were you in a similar sort of job or was it completely different? Completely different. So I was in, um, you know, financial services industry for 15 years. You know, I spent the first five years at Goldman Sachs and then I spent the next, you know, roughly 10 at a, a, a small investment firm, a hedge fund. Okay. You know, for me though, when I think about like what helped shape who I am, I think sports and camp had a big role in doing that. And by no means am I like a top tier athlete or anything like that. But I always valued like the role of sports in helping to shape character and helping teach kids things that just can't be taught in the classroom, like grit being, you know, kind of a prime example. So you had no relevant professional experience to prepare you for what you launched with your wife. That is fair to say. Wow. Okay. So you, you took you took a flyer on this one. I took a bet. Yeah. <laughs> we took a big bet on us, yes. Well, I'd like to piggyback a little bit on what Mark said. And did you have an example or, you know, something out there in the physical fitness world that you used somehow to and adapted? Or did you yeah. just come up with this, you know, or a mentor or someone on that? You know, did you seek out someone in that line to help with the transition or the development of your business model? You know, my kids were into the TV show Ninja Warrior, and I had noticed that there was not near us, but I noticed a couple hours away, a few gyms had kind of popped up where you could train on the type of obstacles that you see on the show. So we had visited, you know, one or two of those gyms. And that's kind of when like the light bulb kind of went off of like, ah, this is interesting. And, and, and for the reasons I described earlier, we liked kind of the Ninja Warrior sort of obstacle course-based fitness concept. And yes, then from there it was, okay, let's look at all the gyms across the country that offer something similar. I visited some of them when I kind of traveled for work, you know, a couple of like funny random stories. But yeah, for about a year, I was I would kind of stop in at different gyms around the country, see who was doing what. 
and kind of like, you know, took the best of what we saw other people doing and then kind of came up with our own concept. Mentor, I mean, I'd always admired, well, my wife and I are had pretty formative experiences at, you know, overnight camps growing up. We were both campers and then counselors. And I'd always really admired the director of the camp I had gone to, who then went on to like actually found a brand new camp. So he was someone that as far as like building a culture, building a community, building a family feel, we'd o- I'd always admired that and definitely tried to like apply that to the business we were creating. So I would say it was like a mixture of a lot of different influences, but then ultimately we just came up with our own, you know, our own concept, our own program. And financially, before you started, what kind of considerations did you go through? How much runway did you allow yourself? Yeah. How did, how did you work out the financial aspects? Obviously you have yeah. a background, which should be, should have helped you a little bit, I hope. Yeah. I mean, we kind of like, you know, gathered some, Right. Intel, I'm like, okay, what do we think it's going to cost us to, to open this? You know, what's the upfront cost with, you know, equipment, physical improvements to the space? And then it was like, yeah, it was, okay, here's the money. If it all goes to zero, what happens to us as a family? And the answer was, you know, it would hurt, but it's not going to break us. And I had, you know, for 15 years, I had saved up some money. So it was money that wasn't going to cripple us if we lost it, but, you know, would have, would have made a dent for sure. And financially, in the course of the growth of your business, right, you have several locations now, I think, right? Yeah, we're expanding, yeah. And the, during the course of that, what was the most difficult financial decision that you had to make along the way? Um, well, I think, I mean, there was, a, there was a few points, right? We were fortunate that, like, Pretty quickly, we knew this was work. You know, this was working very quickly, right? And so it was profitable. It's profitable very fast, right? And we had great feedback from the community, so that all was good. You know, I think the second facility, like the rent, is double. It's a much bigger space, right? So that's another risk. And I think during COVID was some big decisions. We you know we made a couple of I would say very key decisions, like in March of two thousand and twenty you know, where at that point, the business was, we'd been open for maybe 14 months. You know, we had to close at that point. Obviously, yeah. the world is an extraordinarily uncertain. How, how the heck did you survive is my question. Yeah, there's, okay. So a few things. Um, one, I made the decision to keep paying my key staff. Like these people have become family to me. I was not going to like leave them high and dry. But two, we said, okay, guys, kids need to be active, right? If kids are sitting at home doing nothing, their sports are all gone, like that's devastating. So like, what can we do to help kids be active? You know, we first started doing virtual programming, but then what was really interesting is we came up with essentially a mobile version of our gym. So we, you know, went out and bought cargo van. We designed and built mobile equipment to fit in a big cargo van. And then we started first going to people's houses and like running Ninja Warrior classes in their backyards. And then that expanded to, we reached out to all the local park districts and started working with them to run like outdoor Ninja Warrior classes on like soccer fields. So we would show up with our truck, set up all the equipment, you know, and then run the classes outside. And then when class is over, we pack up and leave. Because you realize that like, this was a socially distant activity, right? So you don't have to be breathing on somebody else. We can wipe down the equipment in between use. 
And so we felt like it was a safe activity. It was fun. And what was cool is for a lot of kids, like we were the first activity they had done since COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like, you know, pretty cool and special. So that business has really grown. And this past fall, you know, we were working with, I think, 17 different park districts across Westchester, New York, and Connecticut, you know, where we're offering Outdoor Ninja Warrior as a class. And like, that's something that's going to live on, you know, post-COVID. And that business, there was no like, okay, we're just going to buy all this equipment and here you go. It was like, we actually designed and built the equipment ourselves with our own team. We bought the vans. We kept, you know, we were paying people as we were developing the program. That was definitely a financial risk, especially during COVID where we had no idea like what the world was going to look like in the future. But that's, you know, really paid off. And the outdoor program has kind of been a nice feeder to the indoor program in addition to being a nice business on its own. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, for sure. That is, that's a terrific story. And obviously you tapped into a need, right? The need of kids to be active, the yeah. need of their parents to get them out of the house once in a while. Yeah. And it allows them still to, to do things positively where so much else seemed to be closing yeah. in on everyone at that time. Right. That's great. That's terrific. So it sounds like you've grown a, a, quite a lot in the time that you've been in business. So what are the challenges you have in terms of management, in terms of staffing, in terms of multiple locations, for instance? What kind of lessons did you pick up along the way with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of knew this just from my business career and or, or my financial services career and like observing other businesses. I, I knew the importance of people, right? Like it was sort of a duh, people are the most important. But like we want to have like the best equipment, the best curriculum, the best program, but it really just comes down to like good people, good coaching, right? Like the experience someone has is so dependent on how good like the coach is. And for us, like our people are the ones, you know, designing the program or their people are the ones coaching the kids. And our people are also the one like building obstacles as well. So I would say I relearned the importance of like having a great team. Mm -hmm. And that's been like extremely hard to find, especially we're, we're in an area that's you know, you can't just put up a job flyer and 20 people that have the perfect experience walk in the door. You know, we have to hire people that maybe we're doing something totally different, but we just believe in that have potential. And you have to really network. It's extremely hard to find good people. We've been able to, and we've certainly kept the good, you know, kept the ones that we have. But that's been, you know, for sure the hardest part, but probably where we've executed the best. Mm-hmm. But then even like, especially in this economy, I mean, it is so brutal hiring just assistant coaches extremely hard and we've definitely like turned down business because we haven't had staff at points in time. Right. Okay. And do you have a a larger vision for the Grit Ninja concept? How far do you think you might go with it? And how are you able to manage your personal life and work-life balance as you continue to grow? The second part first, I mean, there's this blending of my personal and (laughs) business life because my wife and I you know, run the business and are the sole owners of it. And then we have four boys, you know, 10, eight, six, and six months. Wow. My older three, like, are at the gym all the time they, and they love it. And it's been like very cool to see them, you know, have a great experience at our facility, you know, taking classes or part of our team. So it's just like, there's just not a separation really between like family and business, you know, for mm-hmm. better or worse, right? Mm hmm. 
me and my kids were there to like 11 p.m. at night, like building tables, like the day before we opened, you know, like it's just funny. Um, but I, I think like they'll look back and like think, you know, I think it'll be a special thing for them. That, that is absolutely going to be a great memory for them. Eric. Yeah, I, ho- I, I hope so. Yeah, yeah I, I think I've appreciated that. I'm sure I'll appreciate it more later, but it, it was definitely appreciated, you know, sorry to digress, but like part of really why we started it was my kids, right? Like it was their mm-hmm. interest that sort of yeah. sparked this. Yeah. And when we look at like what products we're going to offer, it's kind of like, well, what's going to work with my kids, right? Yeah. Not that yeah. every kid is like my kids, but you know, my point is like, they're sort of central actually to the, to the business. So vision, I mean, yeah, we had pretty big dreams. I mean, you know, like I would like to have these gyms around the country. I also think the mobile program is something that, you know, it's worked around here, here being New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. And I think that can absolutely either be like a franchise concept or company owned, but I think it could work in any community in the country. Like, I think this is a great, it's really a sport for kids. And I think as kids do different activities, whether it's basketball, I mean, all the team sports, like I think an individual sport like this one, where it's, there's a lot of fitness to it. It's fun. And I think there is a lot of character building because like, you're going to fail a lot. You're going to fall. That's how you get better. Mm-hmm. I think that has a role in every kid's sort of set of extracurricular activities or sport activities. So long-winded answer, but I, I sort of would like this to be really around the country, both like the mobile programming and then also more gyms. Well, I think it's terrific. It's going to be a great experience for your kids, obviously, to work with mom and dad as they're, yeah. I mean, participating. That is really going to serve them well, I imagine, in the longer term. Can I drill down on the mom and dad aspect here? You know, I've been on a number of these podcasts, Eric, and in many cases, it's one or the other spouse yeah. that does the entrepreneurial thing. Yeah. And the, the, the spouse who doesn't do the entrepreneurial thing you know, has a kind of a steady job to keep income coming into the household. Yeah. You guys obviously put hand in hand, you and Allison, and decided to jump in at the 12-foot end. Talk to us about the thinking behind this being a really a family business. Sure. So actually, one like clarification just to, to make is that when we first started, I did not quit my job. So it was basically, I would say, nights and weekends for me. Still spending a good amount. I mean, no, it was nights and weekends for me, full time for Allison. And then when COVID happened, that's actually when I jumped in full time. It just fascinates me that both of you, husband and wife, decided this is something we want to do. The kids kind of prompted it. Yeah. Mom and dad seemed to have said, okay, let's yeah. do it. I, yeah, I mean, and maybe it's like a dumb decision, right? Like that, it it, it could be a stupid <laughs> thing to do for sure. But it it's it's kind of both what we wanted to do, you know. And I think we both bring different things to the table. I think the business is better if we're both doing it. You're right. Financially, it's like less comfortable for sure, especially because at the beginning we didn't need this necessarily to like support our family. We obviously do now. But that goes back to like, this was just like what I want to do with my life. And like, it was like, for better or worse, I want to give it a shot. And I don't want to kind of half-ass it. No, it's, it's, it's a deeply held 
conviction for both of you clearly. Yeah. Was Alison working before no. you? No. Okay. No. So she jumped back into the work. Yeah, she was a, law- a corporate lawyer. Did not like that, you know, but she's, you know, loved this. Okay. Fascinating story. Yeah, it seems like it's it's found like you tapped into a passion for your entire family. It sounds like yeah, and able yeah. to b- build what is by all counts a successful business and with a great future ahead of it. It seems so. Hope so. It's a remarkable <laughs> story. So. It's a remarkable story. One thing I I want to relate to you, Eric, about your boys being at the gym until eleven o'clock at night and helping out yeah. mom and dad. Yeah. I mean, when I grew up, my mom and dad own a gas station. Yeah, I started working at the gas station at nine or ten years old, and it's one of the best experiences I had growing up. So, I salute you for. I mean, the entire family is aligned with this, which is really, really cool. Yeah, totally. I agree. Thank you. I I started working at eight years old with my father too, but um, you know those are times I would never, never give up. So you know it's going to be a great memory for all of them. So speaking of challenges, of course, that the kids face in in the Grit Ninja, what was um, a memorable hurdle that you faced and took on personally? And how did you find the grit to overcome that? When I think about the gym, it's been probably the presence of my kids and Allison as just like a, a driving force here, right? Like Allison is big on like, you know, we'll debate things for a while and like a nerd about something. And she's kind of big on like, Let's just get out of our own way and just let's do it. Like, let's make it happen. <laughs> like, yeah. And and she's, I think, very good about about that. And and I think, she, you know, learning from her that uh, there's a bit of a mentality of like, if you fail, it's like, okay, so what, right? Like, I, I'm, you know, again, we're, we're fortunate that like, you know, we're not gonna like be be homeless, you know, like. Um, so I think it's just that mentality that probably learned from her, learned from my brother, my parents and others of just like, you know, if you fail, it, it's okay. <laughs> like it doesn't define you. There's a lot to learn from it. And I think that's kind of pushed us forward to, to be able to take risks. That's terrific. Which is right in line with the philosophy of the program and what you're trying to coach into these kids. Right. Yeah. And that seems like a great takeaway from the story, right? Don't be afraid to fail, but reach for something if you really want to do it. Yeah, I, I totally like. I mean, people would be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Like, your Allison was a lawyer, a lawyer, you know, and then a stay-at-home mom. Like, you were doing investor relations, like you're, and you had a nice job in an industry that pays extremely well. Like, and you have three now four kids. Like, what are you doing? I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, and it's like, yeah, right. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. <laughs> so if we plotted those things down and say a, a happiness slash satisfaction scale, are you happier now or sure. were you before or more satisfied? Yeah. Certainly, I think you're more satisfied now, it seems. For sure. There's one part of this that fascinates me, Eric, which is you mentioned earlier your passion for team sports. Yeah. Which I share. I feel like that's a huge part of a kid's upbringing because of the sacrifices they have to make to their teammates, right? Talk to me about how that relates, because Ninja is kind of an individualistic. How do the two interact? How do you make that work? Yeah, so, well, I guess I would frame it a little differently, which I think not every kid fits into team sports, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
there's a bunch of different reasons why. Maybe they have certain special needs. Yeah. Maybe they're just not viewed as athletic. Maybe it's a mental thing. Yeah. So first, I think there's a lot of kids where, again, they don't have a home in team sports. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. I think there's a lot of pressure parents put on, like, got to play baseball. You got to play soccer. You got to play basketball. And like, you know what? Six-year-old Tommy probably maybe isn't getting anything out of playing baseball. And maybe yeah. isn't getting anything out of soccer, especially at that age. Whereas yeah. they come to us and there's like, they're going to accomplish something, right? Like everyone comes in and can accomplish something kind of regardless of the starting point. And when they accomplish that, there's like a new goal to work towards. When you take a step back and you think about like, what is sports all about? But I think a lot of what we offer probably get to like the essence of what sports is about. Now, the team part of it. So we've actually started, you know, we have a team and we actually now there's like a league where we do competitions against other gyms. And that has the dynamic of like kids rooting for each other. You know, I think it's a nice compliment, as I would say. Like, I think kids should do both. I think there's definitely a role for team sports. I also think there's a role for individual sports where it's like you versus the obstacles, you versus yourselves. It's kind of really a chance for personal growth. And you're not competing against everybody else in the room. You're sort of collaborating with them, working with them, cheering them on. I I hear that you, you simply meet the kid wherever he or she is at. And work with them from there to yeah. overcome their whatever they want to overcome. You help them get there. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay, and I might suggest that a child who develops more confidence in themselves once they develop that by this, totally, maybe then they're more willing to undertake a team sport because they would be less intimidated by some of the dynamics that might happen there. Yeah, there's a great story of a kid that came to us with you know some, and he's five, right? But he had like. Some struggles physically was just, you put him on a soccer field. He's just afraid, doesn't want to do it. You know, you put him at like a rock climbing gym with friends. He's like, I don't want to do it. I'm nervous. You know, he came to us and started doing well. And I asked his mom recently, I was like, hey, you know, just checking. He's been with us for a year. How's this going? And she said to me, you know, it's like, this changed his life. I said, what do you mean? He's like, he's a different kid. Like he is way more confident now because when he walked in here, he thought a lot of things were impossible that he would never get to do. And now he's doing them. And so now he's like, to your point, when he's doing a new activity for the first time, he's like not afraid of it anymore. Instead of being the last one to do it, he's like, I'll I'll try it. You know, he's comfortable taking risks. And to your point, like he has a sense of confidence in himself that is now transferring to like other areas in life. So, so I'm Eric Meltzer now. I'm pretending I'm Eric Meltzer. You, you tell that story versus I could have stayed in investor relations, right? <laughs> right. There's no competition, right? Yeah, yeah, good, for sure. Good for you. Good for you. That's a terrific story. Thank you. If someone else, young, a, a person wanted to start a business and approached you and asked for what would be one piece of advice that you would give them? as they were embarking on that thought process or on that journey, what would that be? I would say just to do it. Like when you map things out on paper, there's like a million reasons why it's not going to make sense. Like you can talk yourself out of anything. Like us doing this made no sense. You know, it's like, it made no sense. I think that's just like, do it. And if you fail, so what? Now, obviously like, (laughs) don't be wreck. You know, I I say that like, don't be reckless and, 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 and like, do your homework, but I don't think you'll regret it. 
Terrific piece of advice. And the last question is, what is the last non-financial decision that you had to make? I mean, I feel like every day we're just like making different decisions, like hiring people. You know, are we going to run this program or not? I mean, that was this morning is discussing how we're are we going to run like a special needs class at our new location and how are we going to do it? And are we going to get volunteers and how are we going to get volunteers to help with our coaches to make it one-on-one for the kids? That was, so that was like what's on my mind is what I was doing right before this call. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Okay. So thanks very much to Carl and Eric for letting us listen in on their conversation. We appreciate their time and perspectives and thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time on Decision Dialogues for more stories from successful business owners. So long for now. Thank you for listening to Decision Dialogues. We hope you found today's stories helpful for your own decision making. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, you can subscribe on your preferred podcasting app or visit our website where you'll also find show notes and important disclosures. www.moderawealth.com forward slash decision dialogues. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.